People wore the simple sack-like tunics with leggings that we laugh at in the Monty Python movies, though in colours they were rather less muddy. In the year 1000, natural vegetable colourings could produce a range of strong and cheerful hues, with bright reds, greens and yellows. It was a world without buttons, which had yet to be invented. Clothes were still fastened with clasps and thongs. Life was short. A boy of twelve was considered old enough to swear an oath of allegiance to the king, while girls got married in their early teens, often to men who were significantly older. Most adults died in their forties, and fifty-year-olds were considered venerable indeed. The evidence of arthritis in the bones from Anglo-Saxon graves indicates that most people endured a lifetime of hard manual labour, and the Julius' work calendar shows the different forms which that labour could take. Across the bottom of January's calendar page moves the ploughman, slicing open England's often clay-ridden crust with the heavy iron blade that had been the making of the country's farming landscape. A wheeled plough was the foundation of life for English people living in the year 1000. "'The ploughman feeds us all,' declared Alfrich, the Wessex schoolmaster, who, in the years 987 to 1002, taught his pupils by getting them to observe and analyse the different economic activities they could see around them. It looks slow and primitive to us, but compared to farming technologies in many other parts of the world at that time, the wheeled and iron-bladed plough of northwestern Europe was supercharged, enabling just two men to tear up a whole acre of soil in one day with the help of the oxen, which not only provided the horsepower, but enriched the fields with their manure. One man to hold the plough, one to walk with the oxen, coaxing and singing, and when necessary goading the animals forward with a stick. January's drawing shows the furrows of freshly turned earth that were the reason why, by the turn of the millennium, England was able to support a population of at least a million souls. The calendar page itself represented an equally developed and practical technology, the measuring of time. Today we take calendars for granted, but the challenge of how to formulate a working system of dates had consumed the energies of the brightest minds for centuries, with every culture and religion devising its own system of reckoning. In Christendom, confusion centred particularly on the timing of the Church's most important festival, Easter. The early Christians debated it furiously. Christ was crucified as the Jews gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. So Easter's timing depended on the Jewish lunar calendar, based on the twenty-nine and a half day cycle from new moon to new moon. But planning a full year's sequence of church festivals meant that the lunar timetable had to be fitted into the three hundred and sixty-five and a quarter day rotation of the seasons, based on the annual cycle of the sun and whichever way you try to squeeze it, twenty-nine and a half into three hundred and sixty-five and a quarter does not go. Such was the confusion in those days, related the Venerable Bede, describing the calendar arguments in mid-seventh century England, that Easter was sometimes kept twice in one year, so that when the king had ended Lent and was keeping Easter, the queen and her attendants were still fasting and keeping Palm Sunday. 
The king was Oswiu of Northumbria. Oswiu followed the calendar of the Irish-influenced monks of Lindisfarne, while his bride, Arnfled of Kent, stayed true to the Roman calculations with which she had been brought up in Canterbury. A synod was convened at Whitby to resolve this and several other conflicts of church practice, and Canterbury won the day. This was a victory in terms of church politics for the centralising authority of the Pope in Rome, and a decision in terms of the calendar that opened the way for Bede, the monk from Tyneside who was both historical chronicler and master mathematician, to popularise the use of the Anno Domini system through his famous work De Temporum Ratione, on the reckoning of time. Composed in 725 AD, De Temporum Ratione was based on the Easter calculations of the 6th century Scythian scholar Dionysius Exiguus. In the course of compiling Easter tables for Pope